Vodka companies, celebrity can put their name and it works. Right. Clothing, it doesn't really work, right? You have to have great product. You have to have great marketing. It's important that we started with, with a thought in mind and that thought's evolved, but the original concept stays the same, right? This is The Playbook. I have the incredible Ryan Ellis. He is the CEO of Travis Matthew, which is, Ryan, one of my favorite brands. Initially, not only because it's here in Orange County, but more importantly, it uses the letter M as its <laughs> logo. So it fits right into the Meltzer brand itself. Um, you know, Ryan, you and I share uh, something in common. We both are average division two and three <laughs> athletes, you know, and I mean that as a great compliment Absolutely. to you because I will tell you in my career, all the ups and downs, people ask me what has contributed to my greatest successes. It was what I learned playing as an average division three football player. And I've been blessed to get to know you a little bit before we are actually doing the podcast. And it was very apparent to me that what you learned as a successful division two basketball player seems to be the biggest contributor to your success. What was it about that experience that has contributed to the success, not only as you as an executive here, but the company as a whole? Yeah, I think uh, self-awareness is, is one of the biggest things. <laughs> I didn't go into my college career thinking I wasn't, you know, a superstar. I thought I was, right? And I worked on my game like crazy, but I probably was working on the wrong things. I thought I'd be able to dribble as good as anyone, jump as high as anyone. And I did everything, plyometrics and everything you could think of and literally wasted time, right? And I got to literally probably my junior year and people were lapping me. And I'm like, how is this happening? I'm working harder than anyone. I used to go to the gym and I'd get in there at 10. I'd play, I'd play, I'd lift, I'd play, I'd lift, I'd play. And I'd leave at eight every day in the summer, five days a week. I was outworking everybody. And yet people were lapping me. They're more athletic. They had more natural ability. And I think my junior year, I realized, you know what? I need to specialize, right? I need to look in the mirror. I'm not as good as I think I am. I need to specialize. And all I did that summer was I shot 500 jumpers a day, right? Then I even, I, I even argued with my coach. I said, he wanted me to lift. I said, it screws up my shot. I'm not going to be your strongest player, right? But I'm going to be your best shooter. And I negotiated enough. He finally gave in and said, I said, here's what I'm going to do. Shoot 300 shots before practice. We're going to practice and 300 after. And he bought into it. And I led the nation in three point percentage. We ended up winning a national championship. And it sort of, it validated all that hard work. And then, then it left me feeling like, you know what? If I just put my head down, I put all the work in, I'm going to live with the results. And that really brought me into Travis Matthew and said, you know, probably to a fault, I never asked for anything. I came in, I worked my butt off. I had three bosses when we started and just, you know, kept riding and saying, it's going to work out. Just keep going. Definitely very underpaid my first five years. And honestly, when we sold, we sold for 125 million in, in 2017, my percentage of ownership was very small and I should have asked for more, but then if I think back to that philosophy, put your head down and keep working, here's where I am now, right? I'm in this incredible position. I've got a chance to, I think, take this brand to a billion dollars. And I would have never had that if I kept ask, 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 or if I wouldn't have had that mentality. Now, I don't, for young people, I wouldn't say, just put your head down and work. Because I think you have to ask. And there's some things I would have done differently. I, I also think I had an incredible coach my, my senior year. And he really taught us. You know, I had very hard-nosed old school mentors growing up. My dad was extremely tough on me. And in fairness to him, his dad was way tougher on him. So I like to think we've gotten 
a little bit lighter, but still had the competitive fire. And then my coaches were, I like to call them Bobby Knights, right? It was yell at you, throw a chair. And that was the way they managed. He was the first mentor I had that really taught me to be competitive. And I felt like I let him down when I didn't play well. And when I didn't play, I'd come to him and say, why didn't I play? Tell me. And he'd tell me, honestly, he'd say, look, you know, the matchup wasn't right for you. You can't defend that guy. And I understood it and we moved on and moved forward. And so I learned a lot of lessons from him about that and how to, how to coach and mentor. It was, it's not about yelling. It's not about talking down. It's not, have an honest conversation, right? And be logical about it. Be unemotional about it. And that person will get it. They'll understand. They don't always, but usually they do. And it's amazing for a guy who didn't even play golf that you end up here 14 years later with this great ceiling of a company based off of the desire that you must be what you can be. And also, you know, it's interesting because I utilize what you were taught on the basketball court about there's a lot of people that get so busy working, they forget to make money. And you got so busy working early in your basketball career, you forgot the money shot. And then you got focused in on what the money shot was and even convinced your coach that all I'm gonna focus in on is this money shot, this three-point shot, which you led the nation in and led your team uh, as a support player to a national championship. Now, coming into Travis Matthew, you had no idea about the golf world, but what was it that convinced you that you could do what you're now doing in a world or an industry that you had no idea about? How did it all start? Well, first of all, that's like the best kept secret about Travis Matthew that you just exposed that I don't play golf or I didn't play golf. Oh no, I'm sorry. The second, <laughs> Good thing well, this I, is editable just I'm, in case. I'm gonna expose the second biggest secret. I don't wear polos. Um, <laughs> You're right, I noticed that. Which I think gave me a unique advantage. The, trust me, 95% of the people around this brand play golf, know golf backwards, and we have incredible people on our tour team and that understand golf. And now I'm 15 years into golf, so I understand golf very well. But I, I always wanted to be in apparel. You know, when I, when I was in high school, I had an idea of, of opening my own store the time brick and mortar was where I was at. It wasn't on e-com, you know, glad I didn't go down that route. That would have been super limiting. I, you know, at least the concept I had, but I always knew I wanted to be in clothing. And so, you know, I started going down that route, had a couple jobs in clothing. And then this opportunity came up and I said, golf, like golf clothing. Really? That sounds horrible. And they <laughs> kind of went, that's the point. Go look at what's out there. And so I went into a few shops and it was oversized, super techie, sporty. It literally was a uniform. So if you went and golfed, like Travis and some of the other guys, they'd put their you know golf uniform on, then they get done, they take it off, put their real clothes on it. So they had this unique concept of can we bring, you know, kind of dress shirts to golf and can we have something you can wear on and off the course and can we have fun while doing it? And so I, I really believe in that concept. It was just an idea. They had nothing, they had a couple sketches on paper and we all agreed, let's start it, let's do it together. And we proved that out very, very quickly that there was a massive gap in golf for us, then it switched to, okay, what's next? We always wanted to be a lifestyle brand. And we created this unique niche, a lot like Lululemon did back in the day with, with their apparel, which is athleisure. Well, we're between athleisure and lifestyle. We call it lifestyle performance. So we've got a clear gap in the market and we just drive it hard and no one's really following us in that. Everyone's still sitting in athleisure, athletic or lifestyle. And so that's why we've had a ton of success. And then we've found this magic recipe to say, We've got a great brand and great product. And it starts with great product. And most people have one or the other, and we've combined both. And you actually combine a third thing that a lot of companies ignore. And it was something that came to me very quickly, an awareness that a lot of young executives don't have. 
is that as much as you have an extremely strong brand uh, with unlimited possibilities and, you know, the best feeling and looking product that I've seen in the space. And I know a lot more about golf than, than you do. I actually own a golf course. So <laughs> I've been around it for a lot of years, but it's really what makes this place tick is the people and all the messaging, all the internal branding that I see and energy that I see from the first stories that we talked about people who we both know. And it was about the person, not their resume. It was about the person. And you ran out the door to go catch her. Cause you're like, I need a person like that working with us. And to the mission statements that are past, present and future oriented to all the cultural definitions on the walls here at Travis Matthew, people come first. And the profit follows. A lot of companies, the profit leads and the people follow. You have reversed engineered that. How important has it been to you, this people philosophy? And as you've taken over and you know led this huge company now and the growth is, you thought it was bad when it was 40%, now it's over 100%. That's a difficult challenge. Success is very difficult as a challenge. A lot of people never experience that, but you have but you stick and it seems like even lean further into the people, not the product or the brand. Yeah. You know, when I was president of the company, I, I, you know, you think as sort of second in command and we were, you know, working together and I made a lot of decisions, especially product. You feel like you have a really good sense for who you are in the company and what you believe in and what you want to do. And then as CEO, everything changes and it changed for me instantly. Like I would say within a week I went, Oh wait, this is my vision now. And I realized, I want to make some serious changes with people like that's a passion of mine. And we started communicating. We weren't communicating with the company hardly at all. We started communicating every week. I would send out a video. I'd uh, do an email or some like fun video for the team to go. Let's just, especially during COVID, let's constantly communicate. And so I didn't realize I've always had passion in people um, and I've had passion in individuals. So we are head of marketing was an intern 12 years ago, right? Our head of sales, he probably applied four times nine years ago and then got a corporate sales assistant job, right? We, you talked about Jenna Edwards came in, I chased her out of the building, like, come back in, I wanna interview you. I saw marketing didn't want you, I want you. I know you have talent, right? You know, Jessica Turner here, who's, who started, same thing, got her masters, came to me. I took a token interview for 10 minutes. Within 10 minutes, I'm like, she's gonna be amazing. Now she's running our merchandising and product. Um, so, so many of these stories and I think you know, I like to think of this place as the American dream. Like you, I'm the guy who came in as a sales rep and became the CEO, right? And we've got all these people in incredible positions. But what I didn't realize I cared so much about is everyone else, right? We had almost a tight group of 10, 12, 15 people that were overperformers, right? And not everyone can be an overperformer. Not everyone can be the CEO of the company. We want to offer that opportunity up for those people. But for everybody else, they need a loud voice. And so we created a culture, diversity and inclusion team that had never existed, right? Redid all of our documents and started thinking about, you know, COVID changed me for sure, right? It changed the way I felt about our people, changed the way I handle myself at home. You know, the empathetic side of me, I, you know, I came very, as you know, my background, I, it was like, look, just put your head down and do it. Well, that's not, I don't want to tell our people that. That's not right. What do they want, right? Like, how do we listen to them better? And we're still not perfect at it. Like I still got things ingrained in me that I fight. Like I still get frustrated. And before I jump on a call, I'm like having an internal conversation. Um, and we've also talked about trying to find that balance for people. You know, what did you coin it? The weighted balance. Weighted balance is yeah. beautiful. Like for me, I also saw you have a wake up routine or a put down routine. Excuse me. You got my unwinding routine. I have the exact. When I saw you said that, I was like, 
So for me, like I was up at 2.30 this morning, right? I, I 8.30 every night. If you get on, lonely, call me because nobody else is up. Right. 8.30 <laughs> on the dot p.m. My phone's down. It's on the charger. That's the start of my unwind. So now no distractions, right? Then put my kids in bed. I've got that. By the time my head hits the pillow, two minutes, I'm out. Yep. Two minutes. And my body just says go. And then I either wake up at 2, 3, or 4. It doesn't really matter to me. Sometimes like today, I know you're coming in. I got, I wanted to get up at 2.30, got in here before four, four hours of work done. And I'm like, I'm ready for this interview now. My head's clear. I'm ready to go. And that's where I'm trying to get our people. I don't expect our people to wake up at 2.30 in the morning, but build some type of routine, both at work and at home to have that balance. And I get home at five o'clock. Now, granted, that's still a 13 hour day, right? Or, or 12 hour day, but I've got four hours uninterrupted with my kids. I get to eat dinner with them. It's, it's incredible. So I've figured that balance piece out. And again, I'm not promoting our people work 12, 13 hours, but I am saying the overperformers that want to be CEO might have to, but for the other people, just find the balance in your day. Yeah. One of the things that have helped me with that same exact, as you know, philosophy is stop talking about work. And with my people talk about activity you get paid for and activity you don't get paid for. And so when we can take out that resistant verbiage of work that's something you have to do and so now when you have activity you get paid for an activity you don't get paid for it's what i get to do and then i'm the decision maker i'm accountable for what's going on to determine my own weighted balance not everybody wants to be a ryan ellis or a david Meltzer, right i mean my superpower is consistency which is one of your superpowers as well it's just a freak of nature that we're blessed with the fact that you're willing to take 500 shots a day i'm that same guy you know, and, and it's helped me in the long run, but I also had a difficult time appreciating people that don't have that same personality trait or characteristic. I call it an energetic or genetic inheritance, which I'm blessed with, uh, that helps to aggregate or compound the positive behaviors in my life, as long as I focus in on the positive ones, not the negative ones. One of the other things that I think is interesting in your awareness as a leader is that you uh, study history of not only the company, but self, you have a present uh, philosophy and strategy, but you also are directing it towards a future one, including your mission statement. Normally we just see a mission statement on the walls. You have, here's where we started, here's where we are, and here's where we wanna be. Why is it so important to remind people where we started? Obviously telling where we are today is important in a mission statement, but even furthermore, putting on the wall where we want to be. Yeah, I think it's really important why, why, where we started. Where we started, to me, sets a foundation of, this just didn't, how many companies start, I wanted to do clothing, I wanted to make t-shirts, right? How many t-shirt companies just put their logo on it? How many companies are coming out now by celebrities or whoever else that it's like, what's the real- It's like vodka companies, right? <laughs> right, what's the niche here? Why, how does it make sense other than you put, but vodka companies, celebrity can put their name and it works. Right. Clothing, it doesn't really work, right? You have to have great product. You have to have great marketing. And so there, it's important that we started with, with a thought in mind and that thought's evolved, but the original concept stays the same, right? So we have a clear direction and people know we've always had that and we're driving towards it. That's why we're having success. And then obviously our mission statement of, of where we are today is really important. And we've got this incredible brand, right? We make incredible product. We find a, a way to storytell it to the end consumer. And then where we're going is really important because we've got initiatives to be better. 
And that's a consistent focus of Travis Matthew moving forward, get better. You know, we donated 1.3 million to charity this last year, which was a huge endeavor. Very proud and very excited about that. You know, we've got sustainability initiatives. We launched our first eco collection. My goal is to have uh, at least 20% of our product in sustainable fabrics over the next few years, and hopefully eventually all, but we're also not gonna sit here and say that's who we are today, right? We're not claiming we're a sustainable company and look through everything we do. We have to get better there and we're going to get better there. And then thinking about diversity, inclusion, and things like that um, are really important. And little things, you, you've seen at the office, we have a cave. Used to be called the man cave. I dropped man. And some people are going to say, well, that's silly, right? But that's, old, that's the old school way of thinking. Yeah. How we talk around here, how we act influences behaviors. And so if I call it a man cave and women feel like it's a boys club here, then it's going to be a boys club here. And that's not how we're going to have it. You know, I promoted our first female executive over the last year, which I'm really excited about. And we're going to keep going more. I want more. I want more. I want more diversity, inclusion, sustainability. And so we're just going to keep getting better as a brand. And hopefully eventually we can go, Here's who we are, and it's all these things, and poke any hole you want into it. But right now, we're just focused on getting incrementally better every year and every day. Well, I love your open mind, open heart, and open hands approach to what you're doing. And as a middle-aged white male, there's a lot of things that I have to unlearn. And it's not a matter of intent. It's just unlearning those things so that we can make everyone feel aligned and welcome so that they can be the best or pursue their own p potential. Um, to that matter, the last question I have to ask you about, because we have such similar personalities, you're just a way better basketball player than me, which <laughs> I, I proved on the court. Maybe they'll put in the, the mist behind the back shots that I put up in the air ball. But one of the biggest difficulties I've had as a leader in my career is that I cannot reconcile persistence with patience. And as you get to hundreds of employees, you know, which I've been blessed in the same position to have, you know, my first exit was 3.4 billion. And I always say, thank God I didn't own a lot of that company because it would have just ruined me from an early age. But how have you been able to learn that reconciliation between being a true, consistent, persistent player your entire career on yeah. and off the court to this idea of being patient, detaching your emotions from an outcome because it must drive you nuts. Uh, the patience end of it. It does, but I think, you know, it's very rewarding, right? What what drives me is when we do our company survey over the past two years, we've got 30% more engagement and 30% more people believe in our culture than they did two years ago. It's incredible. We were at, you know, in the in the 50% to over Which is 70. Just still high, by the way. <laughs> yeah, to over 70%. And, and this is agree or strongly agree. So this isn't even like an even metric. So you know, you see results like that. And, and some of them are unmeasurable. I see people's face when they walk out the door. I know the difference now than two years ago. I see the difference it makes. And that drives me and that helps me have those conversations. And I think it also goes back to balance, creating that balance. I don't start my day frustrated. Like I got to seven o'clock actually this morning. I, I took a phone call. I was in the best place on earth. You know, last night I was like, heads going wild <laughs> this morning. It's like, I was in such a great place. And so I have good balance there. And I think the other thing is I think people can change, right? And I think I've changed and evolved. You, you don't take a 180, right? For the most part, but you can pivot. And I think I've pivoted and understood that I've always like, what you do would be a dream of mine. I, I'm never gonna be good enough at that to do it, but I can do it with these people, right? I can empower these people um, and I can make these people wanna be here and, and think that this is something bigger. And so for me, the ultimate reward in this job is what we talked about. These people 
having the American dream an opportunity and for the bulk of people here to be happy. Like that's, it sounds crazy, but like that's one of my driving forces. And one of my goals in my OneNote is, and I think sometimes my bosses don't like that because it's like, what do you mean? I, I want people to be happy. It's not like, that's not a hard concept. I've been the happiest person for as long as I know, but I haven't necessarily known how to, to make other people happy in that same way. Because for me, it was just like, what? Why can't you just be happy? It's life's great, right? And people don't work like that. Like, you know, I I've, I was emotionally immature for many years, and finally, the last five years, ha have understood that emotion and that peace that people are feeling, where they feel uneasy all the time, they feel anxious all the time, they feel overworked, they feel underappreciated, and so trying to do the right things to make them not feel like that and make them a part of the team. It's amazing that you ended with that because as you may or may not know, my mission is life is to empower over a billion people to be happy, to find a thousand leaders like you that will empower a thousand leaders to empower a thousand, thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. We can actually change the world with people like Ryan Ellis that have a simple philosophy, regardless of the counterintuitive business aspects of truly trying to what I call appreciate, add value to the brand appreciate the product, which you've done, but most importantly, what you do is appreciate your people and it's written all over the walls as well as carried in the energy of Travis Matthew. As you put a shirt on and it's the softest, most comfortable, even looking the middle-aged mutant turtle makes me look good. <laughs> uh, you do look good it? it is about appreciation, adding value and that adding value to people's lives, products and brand allows us to be happy to make a lot of money help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. That's why Ryan Ellis is an extraordinary entrepreneur and leader helping me on my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. The CEO of Travis Matthew, one of the greatest brands and growing brands here in America and around the world. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining me. This is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.